mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, it's Candice. And Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. But that's okay. (laughs) It is okay. It's absolutely okay. And it feels good to say it's okay and just own it. Yeah, life is about learning. And who better to learn from than the teachers of the world? Kayla, do you have a teacher that sticks out in your mind that you love when you were younger? Miss, Miss Duncan in fifth grade. She is still my absolute favorite. I saw her outside of school once, which you all know. We all know what that feels like to see teacher out <laughs> off campus. But it was just such a lovely experience. She will still always be my absolute favorite. Such so kind, so loving to every student and just really inspired me to be a better person. How about you? Who was your favorite? What's funny is that there's one, her name was Mrs. Pierce and there wasn't even one thing that sticks out, but I just remember her name and and just like a sense of warmth whenever I think of mm. her. So obviously like I had a good experience. Like she was my second grade teacher. And then I have a few other teachers that were just like, off the wall and kooky. And I really remember them, but I don't remember their names. I just remember all of their interesting antics. Like one would have like an extra 
like basically you do have like a multiple choice test and but all of the answers would be wrong and if you didn't like <laughs> if you didn't write none of these are correct you're trying to trick us then you just would get the oh. point <laughs> they took it really really seriously however i will say she did teach me an incredible way of highlighting and memorization for test taking that i still use to this day when i'm learning things for acting and and so when i'm learning dialogue so i will say she had some interesting tactics but some of them really paid off <laughs> so kudos to to the unique stylings of uh, certain teachers out there well today we are sitting down with an incredible teacher and comic. His name is Joe Dombrowski, a.k.a. Mr. D. You guys might remember him when he took the world by storm back in 2017 with that viral video from April Fool's Day. It was a spelling test prank that landed him multiple appearances on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. If you guys haven't seen this, please Google it. You will have such a good laugh. Don't get it twisted, though. It took at least 20 years for him to be an overnight sensation. Joe has been doing stand-up comedy since he was eight years old in his third grade talent show. Since Joe rose to fame, he has been traveling the globe with his stand-up comedy, which often highlights his crazy life as an elementary school teacher. When he's not getting creative on screens or stages, Joe spends time in Seattle, Washington, producing his podcast, Social studies where he recaps absolutely insane stories from teachers all over the world without further ado here is our episode with mr d oh my goodness we are here with mr d we are so excited thank you so much for joining us today oh my god thank thank me thank you for having me <laughs> so, I mean, look, I'm I'm truly impressed by anyone who's a stand-up comedian because the idea of getting on a stage with a microphone and like basically your job is to make a bunch of like drunk adults laugh at like 10:30 at night just sounds terrifying to me. And you know, especially when you're starting off in comedy, it's like you're just like busting your butt to just get like, you know, an open mic night or like a 5-minute opening set. But to me what sounds even more terrifying is having to get up in front of a bunch of students in the cold hard light of day and make them laugh and enjoy learning. So I feel like you really had the grind, <laughs> like a whole different grind. It's, it's the same thing, though. They're both drunk adults. Yeah. Ba like, it, so there was, like, no way around it. Like, teaching was inadvertently making me such a better comic because you think hecklers in the clubs are bad? Yeah. Honey, those five-year-olds, those five-year-olds are worse. I had, I lit, okay, I dyed my hair one time before I left for summer break, and the class was like, why did you do that? And I told them, I want to little look a little bit younger. And one of my kindergartners looked at me and said, but what are you going to do about your face? Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Right. Like if you can survive that, you're good in the class. You're like, damn, that's a good burn. Like that's uh, these five year olds are quick. And yeah. it made for a great part of my show. <laughs> so <laughs> Right. That's what's so great about your shows too, is you use your experiences with all your students and also the, all the information that everyone submits to you on all your socials and everything. And you use that. And I have to tell you, I was totally stuck in a wormhole this morning down all your social media pages, just laughing my butt off. And it's such a wonderful way to release. So talk to us. Do you try your material out on, or did you try your material out on your students? Well, kind of like other way around. So a lot of people don't realize I've actually, this is my 11th years in comedy and I, I was always doing comedy as a side hustle because I don't know if you know this, but teachers are poor. 
Wait, what? Yeah. They are? Uh, super poor. So <laughs> comedy was comedy was my way to like literally put gas in my tank, right? But I was like, okay. Like I had a little bit of a local name in Detroit for myself. But when I switched and I went, I just took the stage and I was like, let's talk about what happened in the classroom today. It was overnight that I like found what my thing is. So I didn't really try the material out on the kids as much as I was like baiting them into giving material, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's what really flipped the script. Well, you wanted to be a stand-up comedian since you were eight years old. Oh, somebody did their homework. A little bit. I mean, I was meeting with a teacher. But what led you then into teaching? What was that path like for you that made you say, I wanted to become a teacher? It was a crazy moment. So I was in college I was in a fraternity and we did a lot of philanthropic work and I was volunteering for a full week at a summer camp for kids with terminal and chronic illnesses. And I, I had no idea really what I wanted to do because my parents knew I wanted to be a comic, but they were, they were like, no, like you're, you're not going to be a starving artist. You have to get a degree in something. And when I was at that summer camp, there was a high ropes course. And one of our students was in a, wheelchair the quadriplegic and i and the whole high ropes course was designed so that a student in a wheelchair could go up and he was freaking out like he's like i can't i can't do it i can't move my arms i can't move my legs and i'm like i know i can make this kid laugh like i i know i can joke around with him and get it to do it and it was like a challenge for me and i joked around and i was kind of like you're right you can't He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you can't, you can't do it. You're telling me you can't do it. You can't do it. Sorry. Let's sit there and watch everybody else have fun. And he's like, no, I'm going to try it. I'm like, okay, we got something here. So we hoisted him up. And when he was in that tree, just watching his uninhibited joy doing something that he never in a million years thought that he was capable of, I was like, I think this is it. I think that, I think this is what I want to do with with my skill set. And I went back to school the next semester and was like, let's go dog. Let's do teaching. And I did. It was crazy. And I love it. It's just so obvious how much you love it too, because I mean, we've all experienced school with a really horrible teacher who hates what they're doing and is sort of unenthusiastic and like going through the motions and trying to get their tenure, whatever. And then we've all had that teacher, that teacher that is our favorite teacher that we can't wait to go to their class. Every day is exciting. And you have found a way to find that and you inspired the, your kids and you have inspired them for how many years have you been teaching now? I taught for 10. I've been out of the classroom for three. Yeah. Wait, so you hit your tenure and then you were like, okay, peace out. Bye. <laughs> No, t- tenure, tenure, like was not even a thing towards my like third year of teaching. They kind of got rid of it. But the whole thing too is people ask me a lot. They're like, oh, you like you left so you could do something else. And yeah, a lot of people do that. And I don't blame them because you got to survive first and foremost, worry about yourself and your own family. But I love teaching. And I actually think that me leaving the classroom allowed me to honor the profession even more because I could sit there and work with my 25 five-year-olds and their families and make change in their life, right? Or I could go out and play 1,200, 1,300-seat crowds of predominantly teachers and non-teachers and get them laughing and allow them that release. And the goal with my comedy is I'm just trying to get non-teachers to laugh because non-teachers make the decisions 
in education. So when the non-teachers come to my show and they're cracking up and they sit back in their car with whoever they came with and they're like, that's so funny, but that was so messed up. We need to do better by our teachers. I'm just using comedy as the vessel for change, you know? And when you say non-teachers, I'm assuming you mean like parents who might be on the PTA or anyone no, else? Anybody, or anybody, anybody. Anybody who's not even connected to a school. They don't even have to be a parent. Like the, the big, I'm here in Seattle, which is where I live now. These big executives at huge tech companies that we have here are making decisions for education and have never stepped foot in a classroom. So if I can make them laugh and realize what we actually go through, maybe they'll start listening to teachers. Maybe we'll make change that's actually moving us forward instead of backward, you know? Well, speaking of making changes, moving us forward, I know on your podcast, Social Studies, you speak to a lot of teachers and allow them to also share their stories. Obviously, we know um, how difficult, I mean, if, if teachers already weren't like busting their butts before uh, in COVID times, I think that there's been a giant spotlight shown on just how much teachers give to their students. What has your conversations been like with colleagues of yours or friends of yours that are still teaching and, and how their lives and jobs have changed over the last few years? The biggest thing is that we're now teaching a generation of kids. If you think about it, today's third graders have, they don't really have memories of going to school without a pandemic, right? So with that, we're now teaching in this world where um, we can, we have to reinvent the wheel because they don't know how to learn the way we used to do. And the struggle is, is that teachers are being held to the same standards of the past, which the rules have changed. Like the ki kids don't really learn like that anymore. Most kids in this country had two years of full online learning. And now we're just expecting them to come back into the classroom and get it. It doesn't work like that. So like the struggle of that, the struggle of working with parents to help them understand the struggle of changing the curriculum to like work in a way with these students who are a little reverted in their social skills. Yeah, we you all know, are. I, oh, it's we all are. Let me <laughs> tell you some of the things that I've said to people. I'm like, I'm sorry. I haven't been out in a while, but <laughs> yeah. You know, you take that and amplify that by 20. And that's a modern American child right now. So, I, I mean, obviously, you haven't been in the classroom since the pandemic has changed. And I'm assuming that you've heard there's got to be some funny stories that you've heard as well from teachers trying to like make it work who were stuck teaching their kids on Zoom or, you know, did anyone kind of did you do any kind of give back teaching opportunities throughout this time where you're like, wow, what is this <laughs> world that we're in right now? Yeah, the biggest thing that it was so crazy. I was on a little bit of like kind of like a world tour, if you will. It was the first year that I left teaching full time. I just had finished do, uh, touring Australia. I was touring Canada and then the world shut down and I lost all of my dates. And I was here in Seattle. It was just the fact that I had credentials. I had the degree. I had the ability and I was healthy enough. And teachers were leaving the classroom at an insane rate that a position opened up across the street. It was kindergarten and I took it and I taught the rest of the 2020, 2021 school year in the pandemic and went back and did it. And that kind of just like refueled the fire all over again. And then even now, people often get misconstrued. They're like, oh, you're a comic. You're just making fun of teaching. It's like, no, I still do love it. And when I'm home not touring, I still go back and sub in kindergarten. 
where where I was teaching. So I I'm in like two days a week every week. I don't have a kid in school yet. She's two and a half, but I want to be prepared. So can you give us the pros and cons of all the grades you have taught so far? Huge pros and cons. The, the, okay, so kindergarten is wonderful. I You either can or you can't teach kindergarten. It's just that plain and simple. I can because I am that type of psychotic, but you you have to be ready for anything at any moment. And when I say anything, I mean anything. And you have to be able to handle it right now, which again, is kind of why that made me a better comic too, being able to deal with kindergartners. They're unfiltered. They have no sense of what's going... I was teaching a little girl reading last week. Last week, we were working on the word little. And I was like, it's called chunking and blending. It's how you teach reading. It's going, ooh, little, ooh, little. And she looks at me and goes, is it titties? No, (laughs) no, it's not. It's not titties. So, (laughs) but like that type of thing, that happens every five minutes. Yeah, I have a six-year-old and it's so funny. It's like her favorite thing to talk about right now is she's like, mom, everybody has a butt. Like, I can't see it because everyone has clothes on, but like under their clothes, they have a butt. Like kids just don't even know what they're talking. I'm like, yeah, they do. You're right, Florence. And my child's basically just a genius. That's what I've come to learn. Yeah, kids say the funniest things out of nowhere. It's so different from fourth grade, though. Because in fourth grade, you lose a little bit of that whimsy, you lose a little bit of that excitement for school, and you almost have to be more on top of your game to get them to love school like you did in kindergarten. It's just not as easy. And the name of the game is making school a place where they want to be, not where they have to be, or at least feel like that. But in fourth grade, you're like pulling teeth a little more because they're starting to learn the art of the attitude. They're starting to learn what's cool, what's trending. Some of them have phones, which is scary, but it's like, it's it's a whole nother world. I've taught everything kindergarten to sixth grade with the exception of first and second grade. And I could probably go even lower. I could probably teach pre-K, but that fourth grade, fifth grade land, honey, not for me, <laughs> not for me. Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so <laughs> delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. Share some of your favorite stories oh, from your fourth graders because, I mean, it's just so lovely to hear. Okay, I'll start with fifth grade because that was even even crazier. Fourth grade, you still can kind of tell them that Santa's watching, but fifth grade's really good. So in case ever, anyone is listening with their kids, he is definitely watching. So anyway... I was teaching fifth grade and just straight up, I never thought that I'd have to ban the phrase, choke me, daddy. 
Sure did. Had to, what? Yep, had to ban the phrase "choke me, daddy" in fifth grade. That was that was a, a a real doozy. What else did I have to do? I because they just hear it th- or they just don't even know what they're saying. Right. Like they they really don't. Yeah, and like in my head, yeah. I'm like, you guys will not be saying things that I say. This is unacceptable. And <laughs> sorry, we went there. I, <laughs> I I had a fifth grader straight up Hulk out and overhand throw his desk at me. That was cute. That was a real treat, real special moment. How do you handle that? Because that's what I want to. I mean, there's so many ways that one could handle that. I feel like you. You want to get into that? You want to get? You want to? You want to peel back these layers of this onion? Here's the truth about teaching. You, as a teacher, have your hands tied behind your back with a zip tie at all times. And the name of the game is Please the Parents. And I have yet to meet an administrator who is strong enough to actually make some change. So when that kid threw an overhand desk at me, he came back from the office, because I sent him to the office, obviously, with a bag of Doritos. What? Like, what? I don't. And and that happens like time and time again because it's like parents they, they, we do not live in this age where it's like the teacher is the professional we live in this age of I will bulldoze the parent to doing whatever I want so the administration knows all this now right so they're just like ah we're not gonna we're not gonna really do anything about it so. Well, that's a whole nother political issue in education. Yeah, it's wild. Which I'm sure you've been able to touch on on social on your podcast, social studies, and kind of have much more real talk. Girl, you should see the show. That's where I really let loose. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, there's to put it lightly, some really hard days when it comes to teaching. There are obviously a lot of beautiful moments. I do want to just uh, just kind of talk a little bit more about the tougher days. Do you think that it is just, do you think that there's still a lot of just careless joy to be had as a student in school anymore? I mean, for kids that are living through COVID, for, you know, the fact that there is not a conversation with another parent that I have that doesn't include someone asking, hey, do you know a good youth psychologist? I mean, in every single conversation, mental health is so prominent in conversations specifically with our youth for all ages right now. And also Friday was the first time uh, that I experienced with my young child where she came home and told me about her active shooter drills that she did at school in kindergarten and, and how she's saying, you know, that she couldn't fit her legs behind her backpack in the cubby. But don't worry, she knows how to play dead if she needs to. And that this has happened before. And that's why we have to be really safe. And and and. I'm so grateful that, you know, I there is a teacher there who was able to have that conversation with her. And and there is like a level of preparedness for the fact that we live in a, a society. I, I It just blows my mind. We live in a society where this is what we've decided is the solution, at least that there is a plan in order and that these kids do have, I guess, some sort of level of preparedness. But it just you know, broke my heart because she was like, did you do this when you were a little girl? And I didn't, you know, I I was in elementary school when Columbine happened. And I remember that, but it was not, we didn't have active shooter drills like this. And so, 
you know, just as a teacher, you know, with all of these much bigger conversations that have come up, even for someone in kindergarten, I mean, how, what have you as an adult really taken from that, where we are as a society? Well, you know, and, and, Getting a little deeper, being on the teacher's perspective, it is, even in my years in education, watching that evolution and that change happen is just astronomical. And every time I have to do one of those drills, and I'm just like looking at the kids and I'm like, what? world are we living in? And that comes in intense drills. And sometimes it's, they do scenario based training with the kids, which is even even more intense. These are all reactive. These are all reactive solutions to to a problem. And my personal opinion, nobody has to agree. Mental health is like first and foremost. And the fact that there is not a counselor, social worker or child psychologist assigned to each grade level at every single school in this country is beyond me. I've worked in so many schools where there's one or none. And the fact of the matter is, is we are in these farms where the teachers and the staff are wildly outnumbered by the kids. And for us to think that we can manage every single student in my classroom and know that they're all okay outside of my four walls is not true. And this country needs to invest in that sort of um, of backup for the kids' sake. Because again, we didn't do that back when we were in elementary school, but we also didn't have access to the internet like we did. Like I couldn't just Google how to make a, a bomb or how to make a gun not only issues that are important to me, but these are issues that are important if we're going to move the educational system forward. What does it come down to? Just like you just asked. Money. 100. Why? These huge companies, Microsoft, can fly down to the University of Michigan around graduation time and handpick who they want because there's a shit. I'm sorry. What? And we're putting those in there. The hardest schools in the country, why aren't we incentivizing 15-year teachers who have been in the building forever to make more money when they go down to those hard situations? They have the skill. They have the experience. They have the drive. They deserve that kind of financial incentive. And you know who deserves it more than them? The kids. Those kids in those situations deserve the absolute best teachers. And if we give those kids the best teachers, we're giving them an opportunity to step out of the life that they were born into, that they have no control how to get out of. I get a lot of comments that are kind of, I don't think they're real, but people are like, Joe Dombrowski for Secretary of Ed, Joe Dombrowski for Secretary of Ed. And I'm always like, ah, never. You know what I mean? The president of Ukraine used to be a comic. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no anymore. I'm not gonna rule it out. I'm not gonna rule it out. Because you know what? I think I'd kill it if we're being honest. You know, it's interesting. We did a podcast in the beginning of the pandemic and we had a few teachers on to talk about their experiences. And we were hoping and wanting to really get into it. And we realized quickly that, oh, they're censored because of 
they want to keep their jobs. And rightfully so. That is, we never want to put anyone in, in a position like that. But we realized instantly how, unless someone is in your position, Mr. D, to be able to speak out like this, the conversations are not going to happen. Yes. And also, uh, there is not one spring break, like, post, you know, like parking lot chat session where all the parents are like, God, I just wanted more time at home with my kids. Like everyone is just like, I'm exhausted. Like that was the longest week of my life. Like, and this is what teachers go to work and their job is to not only, you know, be patient with our children, but to shape their minds to teach them. And if anyone which I'm sure where there are so many people, if anyone else had the experience of trying to homeschool their children during the pandemic at all, like you learn very quickly where you're like, oh, I can teach them the alphabet. And and I learned very quickly. No, I don't know how to be like, what's that letter? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, it's a like I, that's <laughs> you get it. <laughs> that's it. And then I was like, damn it. How do teachers do this? <laughs> Thanks. Look, I, I, I hope you don't mind. I do want to talk about it. Just I, I was watching your we were both Kayla and I talked about how we were watching your stand up before coming on with you. And you have this really funny bit with a kindergartner named Cindy <laughs> and like how Cindy's like this, like, you know, five-year-old and you would think that she's like a divorcee with like the spirit of Whitney Houston trapped in her body. And, and the joke on her is that like, she didn't know she got the gay teacher who, you know, kickball change was ready to like call her mom. And it's hilarious. It's I, Totally just butchered it right there. But this is leading into me wanting to talk to you about the don't say gay bill in Florida. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, I'm just going to read a little bit about it. It is a bill that limits classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity. It says instruction may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with the state's standards. It does not specify when such instruction would be considered age appropriate. It also prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels in a specified manner. The bill also allows parents to sue a school district at the school district's expense. If they believe the measure is not being enforced, the bill also prohibits school support service personnel from withholding information regarding a student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being. That means essentially that school counselors would have to inform parents if a student told them they were gay or trans, even if sharing that information with their parents uh, would put them in a harmful uh, situation at home. The bill was passed by the state house last month in Florida and now heads to the Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, who has been very uh, vocal about his support for it. So if anyone just saw a bunch of people at Disney World being like, no to the don't say gay bill, that is what it actually is. And so as a teacher specifically for children and the fact that you're a gay man, how how have you been processing this bill? Again, this is one of those instances. And I, I hate to use... And if you don't want to talk about it, we can oh, also... Oh, honey, okay. I want to talk okay. about okay. it. <laughs> I, this is one of those instances, too. And I, I do not like to jump on any bandwagon. This is where visibility matters. And this is where myself as a gay man and a gay teacher, it matters to to allow people into my world with this. Uh, the the counter argument to parents and why they're saying that they are in favor for this, the ones who are, they say, this isn't about sexuality. This is about parental choice. Cool. Okay. I'll let you think that for a second. 
this is a bill that is unsafe for, for young people. I remember being six, seven, eight years old and quite literally thinking I was the only gay person in the world. I thought I was the only one on the face of the planet who felt this way and was this way. Do you know what it's like to feel like that you are the only person in the world with your given experience, with your given life? You are in an extremely dark place. You are in a place where you don't think you matter. You're in a place where you don't think you deserve to exist. You're in a place where you're never going to meet somebody. You're never going to fall in love. You're never going to have the opportunities that your peers have. That's where your mind goes. And when your mind goes at that to those places, when you're that little, you have some emotional baggage that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. This bill impedes on young, I say rainbow people, from seeing that they're not the only one, from seeing that there's people like you, from seeing that this might not be accepted here, but it's accepted other places in the world that you're allowed to go to when you have the ability to do so. And if we are robbing children from looking outside their classroom windows to see the world around them, then we're robbing them of their growth. And when it comes to me as a gay teacher, it took me a while to be able to openly talk about who I am and my family. But it, people are acting like I just walk in on the first day of school and I'm like, hello, class. My name's Joe. I am gay and it's fine. And you're all going to love it. You fabulous little creatures. No, I'm not. <laughs> but when they come up to me and they say, how come we've never met your wife? I say, oh, actually, I have a partner. His name's Morgan. He's fantastic. We've been together for six years. And they say, okay. Because they don't know any better. Not to, to, to That's weird. Kids don't know hate until it's taught. Yeah. So why are we giving them an option to learn hate? Yeah. I, I think you said it perfectly there. Why are we giving them an option to learn hate? I think you should run. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm putting it out there. I think you should run. And I think you should just consider it. And obviously, it's a huge life change and everything. But you never know. I'm just throwing it out there. So when I'm running for Secretary of Education, we'll just play back this podcast. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. back <laughs> it's funny just on just teaching love to especially to young children it, it my we I just took my six-year-old to Jojo Siwa a few weeks ago that was her big birthday present and I <laughs> who I had no idea who that was by the way Candace had to show me who that was no idea my daughter's too though I think that's why <laughs> oh yeah so many bows Jojo did an incredible like she stopped in the middle of the concert and and just had a beautiful moment with which a huge you know, audience of young children and their parents were in Indiana. We had to drive hours away because that's where she was performing and talked about how she came out a few years ago and she was really scared that no one would love her anymore or like her anymore or like want to support her anymore. And, and, you know, how coming out, she now is just like met with so much love and support and it's okay to be gay and it's okay to be love who you want to love. And then my favorite was she was like, and to all the parents here, you are now a supporter of the LGBTQ plus community, like all the rainbow community. And it was just such a fantastic moment where it's like, yeah, this is like, what an opportunity to show children that like, that love is flipping love. I mean, especially I just can't believe in 2022 that we're even freaking talking about this and having this conversation and that this, yeah. Dude, it's like, we're just telling children that there are other people who don't have the same family as them, who don't have the same experience as them. So what are, think about it. What are we doing? We're setting these kids up to go to college and meet a gay for, person for the first time and be scared of it because they've never known it. Like, we we know what happens to sheltered children. We know this. But by all means, let's just keep, again, going along with the way things used to be. It's not getting us anywhere. Yeah. All right. So we talked about what we, what you've been able to teach children, what we can all kind of teach children. But what have the children taught you in all your years? Children have taught me that th- there's nothing like looking at a kid and seeing fearlessness. All kids are born, they're not afraid of anything, right? Like I, at a stupid level, I have a weird fear of cockroaches and I watch my students just walk up to them and pick them up, no problem, right? Like fear is learned. And kid teaching and being a teacher has reminded me that without risk, there's no reward. And there are so many, so many opportunities as an adult to be scared and not reach for the stars. But when I look at my students and I look at their heart and I see that they're just unafraid to do whatever they want, it inspires me to attack my goals. And the day that my career blew up in comedy and I was still teaching, it was unbelievable to like look at my class and be like, I'm making it. Like I, your teacher in front of you has been telling you to reach for the stars, to 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 tackle your goals, to dream big. And I am doing that in front of you right now. And I was like, 
but it's because you inspire me to, you know, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's beautiful is what it is. It really it's is. It's beautiful it really is. to hear. I could hear you talk about it all day. I have a question that I need you to answer for me that I have wanted to know probably since I, maybe since kindergarten, maybe since first grade. And you need to be honest with us. You promise you'll be honest. Promise. <laughs> what actually happens in the teacher's lounge? Oh, you don't even know. We have a vending machine full of vodka and Virginia <laughs> Slims. <laughs> the teacher's lounge is the weirdest thing in the world. It all depends on where you work, but it's on, it's like our safe place, right? It's like where we can just go and be like, is Patty here? No, she's not. Listen, she's driving me up a freaking wall. Like that sort of thing. But honestly, a little venting is, is healthy. It's nothing crazy. People think that we like live in there. <laughs> which is hilarious it's just a big vent <laughs> sesh and uh and a refrigerator that's got a bunch of moldy food in it still <laughs> so glamorous the life we live we talked a lot about as well how we can support our teachers but how can we support our comedians <laughs> now that everyone's back on the road you're back on the road what are some of the towns that you're coming to so our listeners can come check you out let me say one thing first because i i think that people actually don't know how to support their teachers. I think that they just know that they should or that they can. And one thing that people can do, even if you don't have kids, find the nearest school around you and just ask, call and ask if any of those teachers in that building have an Amazon wish list. And if you have it within you to just buy one item for a teacher in that building, you have no idea how much of a difference that's going to make in that teacher's lives. And we'll invigorate them to keep putting their best foot forward for those kids. And for the teachers listening who are just now hearing of this, make a Amazon wish list or a wish list of some sort, print out a QR code that goes straight to that, put your little picture on it, put label it with your cricket because you know you can't resist and just go around to local restaurants and local buildings and ask if you can put it in the window. People will scan it and just buy because they want to help teachers. They just don't know how. So that's how to help a teacher. How can you help a comic, baby? You can come to my shows. You can follow me on, on all of the things at Mr. D times three on every form of social media. Um, check out my website, Mr. D times three.com. I have a bunch of shows. I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm coming still to Oklahoma City, Edmonton, Alberta, New York City, Buffalo. And then I'm going back on the road in the fall to cities that I'm not allowed to sing at, but it's a big tour. And I would love to see some of your listeners there. That'd be so cool. So check it out. I love it. Honestly, my husband's from, from Edmonton and I thought, hmm, do we just like hop on a plane and go see Mr. You and sure do. visit his family? <laughs> you sure do. Oh my God. Let me know. Keep me posted. Love to meet you guys. I will. I will. You have been just the absolute best, uh, Mr. D. Thank you so much for going deep with us and having the real conversations and then also just constantly making us laugh through the whole thing. You're just fantastic. Oh man. Well, thanks for having me. This was a, a joy of an interview. I appreciate the opportunity. Yay, thank you. We did it. I'm pretty speechless. Well, I'm not actually. That's the sad part is that that I, I, I want to say that I'm speechless and that it, I'm shocked. But it sadly looks, you know, once the first part of the bill passed, like the writing was on the wall. But then just seeing it and uh, seeing it actually, we were just talking. Yeah. Melissa, our producer, just let us know while we were recording. Governor DeSantis passed the don't say gay bill. 
the the second part of all of this that I don't understand is how it gives parents permission to sue the school if this happens. Like how is is that not this is just a question I have and none of us may have an answer to it. But is that not somehow limiting freedom of speech as well? Because if someone just wants to talk about their home life or if they have two dads or two moms, like how how do you keep a child from talking about their family? I don't I really am having trouble understanding this. I think that's the general. Yeah, I, everything you said is is correct. It's just really hard to have had that conversation and then now understand that this is and you're right, Candace, we we knew it was going to happen just judging. But there's something about it actually happening that stirs stirs it all up. So there you go. It's all of Florida. And that's real time news. You know, we've had a lot of episodes dedicated to the importance of voting on this podcast and getting involved with your local elections. And, and we hope today that our conversation with uh, with Mr. D, we hope that you maybe broaden your horizon a little bit or lit a fire in you to especially if you are in Florida or if you want to get involved with um, any sort of politics to be able to help teachers uh, in any way uh, that, that you feel inspired to do so. Um, but yeah, this is a very, uh, I feel, you know, I don't, I feel like this was an informative episode, uh, a very sobering episode now that we've just seen uh, the news pop up. Inspiring to, to really open our eyes and, and, and really try to support those who we are putting, we are, we are putting our children's, you know, minds and lives in their hands. And it, it, it just, it's shocking to me that as a society that we aren't doing more to support them. And also make sure you support Mr. D. Go see his shows. Follow him on socials. He truly is such an inspirational person. And not only is he hilarious, but he's really willing to have the conversation and move the needle. I really appreciate him going there with us and truly loved having him on our podcast. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have another great one coming for you next week. So until then, please take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.